Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning and we come as we are. We come recognizing, even as we sang, that our worth is not in what we own. It is in anything that we have or anything that we have done. It is only Christ. He is our hope. And so we come this morning remembering and unashamedly holding high the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't come because we have done something or we are good enough or we have made enough rules that we appear godly, but we come because we recognize we are not and we are ungodly and it is for the ungodly Christ came and died and that is us. And so our one hope in life and in death is Jesus Christ. And so we lift that high this morning and we come fully recognizing that it is by the grace of God that we come and even that we are what we are. And we thank you. We rejoice and we glory in your grace and in this glorious gospel of grace. And we pray this morning that you would give us grace as well. We pray for grace in countless ways because we need it in countless ways. We need it in every aspect of our lives. And so we pray for grace right now that you would help us to listen this morning as we will be tempted not to or simply tempted to refuse or disagree or to lay aside or to say, no, I will not do this. And so help us to listen and help us to receive your word. Give us grace for the reception wholly and fully of your inspired words and help us to be changed. We are to be transformed by the gospel that we lift high this morning, ongoingly, continually, until we are glorified with Christ. And so we pray for grace for these things. We pray for grace as we worship our risen Savior. Help us continue to worship our Lord right now. And give us grace, we pray. And we ask for this, that you would give us grace to boast as well in our Lord. And so be with us as we turn to your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the letter of James. And we'll be looking expressly at James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 this morning. So as we travel through this world, and by that I don't mean like walking or driving or flying somewhere, but as we live and as we go through life in this world, we need constant reminders. Constant reminders that this is not all that there is. We know and we see that more is coming. And if we, maybe you've never thought of it this way, 
But this gathering is a small taste of that. That we are part of something grander and greater than this world. We are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken regardless of what is going on in the world or in your life right now. This world is not all that there is, nor all that there will be. Those people sitting next to you right now in the pews, or even people maybe that you work with, or people you see as you go out and about and you do your daily things, how different all of them and all of us will be one day. So C.S. Lewis, he wrote in The Weight of Glory this, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. And he's right. (laughs) Everyone, whether believer or unbeliever, they will live forever somewhere. It may be in hell, or it may be in the new heavens and the new earth, but there they will be. There you will be somewhere forever. So you have never met a mere mortal. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. Every single person you talk to. Well, Lewis, he also wrote this. He said, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as now you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. Now, what is he saying by all that? Well, he's not saying that we will all become gods and goddesses, but he's directing our eyes towards the glory or perhaps the terror to come. You see, we might be all caught up right now in the here and the now as we go about and we get caught up in the politics or in the day-to-day things or in the technology or in the culture or whatever it may be. While what we are valuing and loving and living for now might well not be what God values, what he exhorts you to live for, for what God calls you to love. And so all of this then gets us close to our passage this morning that calls us to consider that whatever our status now, whether you are here and you are abounding with wealth and riches, or maybe you are completely not doing any of that, not having hardly anything, wherever you are and whatever you have, we need to ask the question, what are we valuing 
What are we loving? What are we living for? And is it, and here's the key part, is it, above all, Jesus Christ? And so let's see this then in our passage this morning, beginning there in verse 9. So may God bless the reading of his word. James 1, 9, it says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now, as you clearly see here, these are only three brief verses, yet how mightily they challenge us, don't they? (laughs) And how mightily they turn the whole world really upside down. Now, as we think of, perhaps maybe you are thinking of well-known passages of Scripture, I doubt that this is one of those that just immediately come to your mind, right? I mean, you you probably, if you're thinking of well-known passages, you're going to be thinking of ones maybe like John 3.16. You probably have heard like 700 sermons on that by now, at least if you've grown up in church, right? Or Romans 8.28. You're thinking of that, or Galatians 2.20. I mean, these Famous, famous verses. You'll see them on coffee mugs, on shirts, and everywhere. I wonder if you might find this one. (laughs) Not so popular, is it? So it could be easy to overlook this verse or even say, well, it's not one of the popular ones. I'm not going to pay attention to this one today. Well, let me urge you today, this morning, that you certainly need to. As you labor over all of those other ones, those well-known passages, you are to labor in studying the Word of God because that is what we're doing this morning in the heralding and the preaching of the Word of God. We are here to study and understand and to get the Word of God in our lives. So you ought to labor in the hearing, in the receiving, and in the doing of it, all resting on the grace of of Jesus Christ by faith in Christ and Christ alone. That is to be your disposition as you come on Sunday mornings and not sitting back and saying, all right, I'm going to relax and you tell me something entertaining. It is time to work, friends, to think and labor under the word of God. So in this passage, then, we have two people plainly set forth here. We have this low or poor brother on the one hand, and then we have this rich person on the other. So all of this, if you remember from the last few weeks, or if not, you can just look up in your Bibles there and James there and see that the framework that is still being kind of set before us is a framework of trials, where we began in verse 2. 
And so we know that he's still talking about trials because of verse 12. Right after all of these things, he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. So he's still within the context of trials. And so they're not out of view at this moment. And so these two people are facing a world of trials for following Christ. Now this passage, it really is turning the world on its head, isn't it? I mean, it's an, it's an inversion of the way that the world thinks and views things. It's the way, it's an inversion of the way that the world works. I mean, there are, as we heard from Lewis a moment ago, if you don't know who that was, you're like, wait a minute, who is that guy? Well, he's the one who wrote Chronicles of Narnia. But if you don't know what he's, who he was, he was right. There are no ordinary people, not because the world says so, nor because the world gives any final word on the matter, but because God himself says so. And so it is then that we have our first point here. The poor have reason to boast right now. So right off, right? You see the inversion. You see how it's just turning everything right on its head. This is strange boasting here. This is not how the world works. The poor boasting in their lowly position? Well, I don't think so, right? I mean, that's not the way the world does it. I mean, the world, it lifts up those stories that are rags to riches, but not rags to more rags, right? And so this really is strange (laughs) words here. And this is why maybe wondering about the Christian culture today, why we wouldn't find this verse on a shirt. We're on a coffee mug. What we see here, and it's plain here, that this person is unknown to the world. They're unknown to the world. It says, as you see there in verse 9, it says that they are lowly. And what that means is they, they are essentially undistinguished. They are humble. They're someone of a low station or quality. So in other words, there is nothing about this person that the world would say is noteworthy or special. There's no big deal about him. I mean, you keep him in the corner over there and we'll be just fine. So he's an unknown. You know, people very likely even avoid them. And honestly, many people, maybe even you, avoid them. However, this lowly brother's eyes, they're not to be on all of that stuff. They're not to be on the way that the world sees them or the way the world thinks about them or the way that the world works. It's not the way. If you are the lowly brother here, you're the poor brother here, you're not to keep your eyes on those things that the world is elevating, lifting up and saying, these are the things that you are to value. These are the things you're to live for. These are the things you're to love. Your eyes are not to be there. If you are lowly here, your eyes are not to be on all of that. On the world and what it thinks of you. 
though you may be unknown to the world, and know it well, you can know that you are known to God. You can know that you are known to God. You are not to take the world's view. And let me remind you, who is the world serving? It is not the God who made everything and created you. It is the God of this world, as scripture puts it, which is the devil. So why would you take their view anyway? (laughs) The devil has no good for you, friends, in mind. But you and I, we are to take on this view, the divine view. So as Tyler, he read a moment ago the Beatitudes for us from Matthew chapter 5. What James is doing here is he is taking that and he is applying it for us as believers here and now. And so do you remember what Jesus said there in the Beatitudes? He did not say in Matthew that the lowly brother is missing out, did he? (laughs) What did he say? Those who are part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, are what? Blessed. (laughs) Blessed, right? I mean, curveball. Just pretend you never have heard the Beatitudes before. That is a big curveball, right? I mean, that's not what the world is setting before us. It's not saying all these people are the blessed ones that Jesus lists. But what does that word mean? The word blessed that Jesus uses there in Matthew 5. What that means is that he is saying that you are to be happy. You are fortunate. You are highly favored. And even you are flourishing. (laughs) So think of that. It is of the poor in spirit that Jesus says... Flourishing are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And why are they flourishing? It's because they are not looking to themselves, but they are looking to Christ as their life, as their sufficiency, as their all, as their everything, not this world or anyone or anything else. So we would be right to summarize this by just simply saying, blessed are the nothings in Christ in this world. And the word here isn't lying. So though you may be low, you need to know that you are high. And you are to obey these words. You are to take up these words for yourself this morning and glory in your not low position, you are to glory in your high position. And that's what this says. The word exaltation, it literally means high position. So as you face 
the trials of a lowly life, boast, rejoice, glory in the glory that awaits you because that is what awaits you. It's not some brief momentary dot on the the spectrum of history. It is a eternity, never ending, never stopping forever. You will only experience glory. And for that, you have reason to boast and to rejoice and to glory. Don't you? so boast in these things. You who face trials and hardships and financial struggles and ridicule who go on without reward. No one may know what you have done. You may go on without acclaim. You may go on without your trophies. You may go on without crowns in this world. And you may have no position with the rich. You may have no position with the elites in our society. You may not have that position along with the rest of those falsely religious who are priding themselves in all the rules and everything else and all their masks. You may not be able to put yourself along with them, but see where your glory lies. It is not with any of those things or any of those people. You are to glory in your great Redeemer because as we sing a moment ago, He is the treasure of our souls. Isn't He? Or is He? And so we are being exhorted to keep, you are being exhorted to keep your eyes on what matters most to keep your eyes on what matters most. A distinguishing quality of this brother is not that he's going around boasting in his trials and his hardships and difficulties and all of that stuff, but he's boasting in the Lord. Now, you might say to that, okay, well, but it doesn't say that, does it? It says boasting in his exaltation. Okay. Yeah, it does say that. But the brother's pining here. It is not for a kingdom without Christ. It's not for an empty heaven without the Lord of glory. It is for a kingdom full of Christ because of Christ, with Christ as his king and as his life and as his all. So it is his exaltation. It is his boasting. Christ is his boast. There's not, there's not trusting Jesus, and then you just kind of move on, you know? Which sadly we have seen again and again. And you've heard of again and again someone who comes and they profess and they say, Oh yeah, I give my whole life to Jesus. But then have nothing more to do with them, and they die thinking they know Christ. Well, that's not trusting Jesus. When you trust Jesus, he changes your heart because he gives you a new heart 
And so your heart is not going to be beating, even though you may struggle with sin and self, it's not going to be beating for other things primarily. It is going to be beating for Christ. So you would no doubt, you, there's no way that you could go on for the rest of your days and have nothing to do with Christ, with his word, with seeking him, with being part of the body of Christ, with sharing Christ, with serving Christ, with telling as many people as you can about Christ because why? Because he is your treasure. And you love him. So as we read this then, this is what it's calling us to do. It is calling us to exalt. It's calling you to love him more. It's calling you and I to adore him more. It's calling for you and I to long for the day that you will receive the treasure of your soul. And so the lowly brother's words here could well be the words of the psalmist in Psalm 73. What does he say there? Asaph, he says in verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Forever. That's the heart of a lowly brother here. Turning the whole world upside down. If the world does happen to see this lowly brother... They're looking at him like, what in the world are you doing? How can you be boasting and exalting when you don't have anything? And that lowly brother says, oh, no, no, you get it wrong, friend. I have everything because I have Christ. And so we are being exhorted here as James turns the world upside down for us. And he's not finished. And so as he continues, we see the second point. We see the second person here. We see the rich have reason to boast now as well. So we see this in verses 10 through 11. Now these verses... They're more difficult than they may first seem. (laughs) And I mean that. So what I mean by this difficulty is that there is a question hovering over these verses, verses 10 through 11. And the question is this. Who in the world is this referring to? (laughs) You might not have considered it at first reading, but is the rich person here a believer or an unbeliever. And let me tell you that there are many that fall on both sides. (laughs) Faithful, Bible-believing, expositors of the Word of God. One believes this, one believes this. That doesn't mean we're to be relativistic on these passages, but we're to do as we began. As I exhorted you, we are to labor under the word of God and study it. 
and see what it says. Which is what I've done over many years <laughs> for these verses. I've wrestled with these verses. So this is where the difficulty can especially expose itself. Let me show you this. So when you see the phrases here, and I'm perhaps giving away my position, but uh, he, you, when you see the phrases here, he will pass away. Hmm. The rich man will fade away in the midst of his pursuits. That's not easy. Seems like this might be an unbeliever. You see the tension? I'll, I'll explain more here in a second. Maybe you don't, but I'll show you. And maybe that's what James is doing. Maybe he is talking here about an unbeliever, and maybe that's part of what he's trying to get us to consider and to think about. If we are rich, we need to be careful that we have not deceived ourselves and we are really, truly only trusting in what we have. And if you get that point from here, praise the Lord, that is the application of this passage. However, I think because of the verses here, I think this person is likely a believer likely a believer. I think the weight of evidence it leans this way. And as you read this, and as you read it even perhaps without even thinking about it, you probably added a word as I read verse 10 and 11, and rightly so. What word might that be? You added the word boast, right? And the rich boast in his humiliation. Obvious, that's exactly what James is doing here. Well, this same thing is the same thing that James is doing as well with another word here, and that other word that he does that with is that word brother. Brother. And so it reads something like this. Let the lowly brother boast and the rich brother boast. Both and. It come, it goes into verse 10 as well, boast and brother. And so that's, that's one reason that I see this would be pointing to a believer, but also in a passage that does not seem to be using irony or sarcasm it would be odd for James as he's putting things forth very straightly very plainly for him to say that at this point the rich person is to rejoice because they will face the judgment of God right they look out and they look at what's to come and they think I'm rich are you rich and they think I'm looking forward to that you know <laughs> I'm looking forward to my judgment that's coming when I die because I'm rich and so that would be odd, and I don't think that is what James is doing here. Instead, it's saying that both the poor brother and the rich brother are to consider how they live in a world that esteems and values what we are not to esteem and value. 
And this is a challenge for the rich brother because they're known in the world, right? The world does esteem them because the world, they esteem those things. They esteem riches. They esteem wealth. They esteem having abundance of all sorts of things. And so the rich brother's temptation will be just to go right along with all of that. Because they have that. They have the esteem. They have the riches. They have the stuff that the world has. And so the danger for believers is letting what we have then be our identity. You think that you're something because of your bank account. Because I have this house. Because I have this job because I have all these things because I have this jewelry because I wear these clothes because I have this nice suit think highly of me I think highly of myself and right now hopefully you're already seeing that whether you're rich or poor or not here you're already seeing that in your own heart with all sorts of things the danger is tying your meaning to what you have it's an idolatry a worship of things and so when those things begin determining your meaning when they begin determining your vision i'm going to go and do this and get this and all these things it determines how you treat other people or even how you expect others to treat you Let me warn you and let me tell you that you are very likely putting something else before Jesus Christ. And you very likely have an idol that you've been bowing down to and worshiping rather than the Lord. Why? Why is that? Because none of those things are to be your boast. Though you are rich and you are known by the world, your boast is not to be in those, but in Christ. But in Christ. So as James exhorts the rich brother here, is your boasting is in your humiliation. What that means is you're not primarily aligning yourself and your meaning with the elites, with how much education you have or how much people know you or whatever it is, but you are aligning yourself with the reviled, with the despised, with the hated, with the rejected Christ. Your humiliation. You're not going about living like your hope is in anything that you have in this world. It is in Christ, and it is in Him alone that you're living. So all of that stuff, all this stuff that you have in this world, whether it's, you know, Mac or Microsoft, or if you have a Volvo or your Mercedes or whatever you have, or you have like a Ford or Chevrolet or whatever you have, you have a one-bedroom house, you have an apartment, whatever you have, you live in a trailer, All of that stuff will not last. 
this is what James is getting at. The rich man's life, like the flower of the grass, is transitory. It falls, its beauty perishes, its riches will not endure. Your life will not keep going in this world. And let me say this too, when we're thinking about the world and what it values. Another piece of this is beauty. You're finding your meaning tied up to your beauty and your youth perhaps. Well, let me warn you, you won't always look this way. You're going to get older, Lord willing. And that beauty, like the flower, will fade. So if your hope is in that right now, in a thin body or whatever you have, not speaking against being healthy, but if that is your hope, it's a false hope. Because your body will not last in this world, at least until the resurrection and he rises it up again. The glorified body. So it won't last. It won't endure. So we're being called to set our hope and heart not upon those things. Because that's fool's business. Those things won't last. So regardless of how much you have, listen well here, friend. You will die. None of this stuff is going with you. In the midst of your pursuit, your life, the temptation will be to be taken up with all your stuff. Yet day by day, hour by hour, you draw nearer to your fading away, as James says here. And so the exhortation here is for the rich brother to not set their hope on any of that, but fully on Christ and Christ alone and unashamedly to boast in him before the world. Because he is their boast. This is Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. This is the heart of these verses. It says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Amen. And so this is how you are to live. Whether you are a lowly brother or a rich one, Christ is your life. And so ask yourself, are you living for what you have? Or are you living for Christ? Are you living for what you have? Are you living for Christ? Now be careful here that you don't treat that question lightly. Listen to these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. He says to his disciples in verse 23 and 24, he says, Truly I say to you, 
Only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now that should cause a bit of trembling. I mean, almost everyone in this room compared to the rest of the world is rich. So these words apply to you. Where you will think, I've got it all. Yes, I can put my profession in Jesus, but really I am trusting in all this other stuff because that's where I'm getting my meaning in my life. You know, I remember once going on a mission trip where we were going from house to house, you know, home to home, going and sharing the gospel with people. And we were going into an area that was especially well off. I mean, their driveways sometimes would take 10 minutes to walk down to get to their house. I mean, that kind of well off. As we went from home to home to home, Sadly, as we all found and we came back together and sad and we found the answers were the same again and again, as we went to person after person, each family, they would say again and again and again, we are just fine. We have everything we need. And we were there trying to plead with them. Well, no, you don't. You don't have anything. You need him. How easily we can be deceived. How we can take up our golden calves and hold them so closely, even while all the while we're heading straight to the grave. And as you hear all this and you say riches, where you're thinking money, but this has more, it has more to do than just with money. So much of riches has to do with externals, with appearances, the way that you look. And so we are in danger of that as well. Even if you're not rich here on the outside, you might look pristine. You might be telling others that you have all that you need. You might even have an appearance of godliness. Like you come to church, everyone thinks that you're just Fine, but that's not true yet your heart it is a mess and perhaps even is dead but you look good your family looks fine but you're not so what are you living for what are you boasting in today may it be you and I live so that it's clear that Jesus is of more value to you and to us than anything else. And we're living and showing, not to show, but because he is of more value in my heart than anything else, we live that way and the world knows it as you are rich in your job or in your house or wherever you are. Okay. So what might that look like? It looks like loving him even when no one else perhaps is.
It means following him <laughs> when perhaps no one else is. You look behind you and no one else is there. But if you're following Jesus in his word, you're doing the right thing. It means waking early. As it says in the Gospels, like Jesus, he woke early to pray, to spend time in the word and prayer. Why are you doing that? It's not because you're trying to show something off of being religious. It's because why? Because you love him. And just like your wife, you don't say, or husband, you don't say, man, I got to spend time with you again. You know, why don't you go somewhere else? You know, that's not, that's not love, is it? We want to spend time with those we love. That's what that is. You hear it your whole life and you think, oh man, reading the Bible and prayer. It's about your love for him. I love him. That's why I read his word. I love him so I meditate upon it day and night. I love him so I talk to my Lord every day. It means sharing the gospel with your wealthy friends who may not think you're so elite anymore when you share it with them. But you do it. It means unashamedly aligning yourself with Christ and his body. It means serving even if the service comes with no earthly reward. You could be a CEO in a company and you are cleaning the toilets in a church happily. <laughs> Because your status is not based on all of that. It is based on Jesus Christ, who was the greatest servant of all. So I will serve gladly, regardless of what I have or who I am. And don't only surround yourself with those who are like you, but love any and every brother and sister in Christ. The rich one and the poor one and everyone and anyone and have a humble view of yourself even considering others more significant than yourselves give generously unto the Lord without thinking that you own this like you give to the church so I own the church do you know how much I've given to the church that happens everywhere. And what you're finding there is an idol, a false god, and perhaps an unbeliever. I've given so much, so I am do this. People need to answer to me. That's not to be your heart. You give lavishly. I don't care if anybody knows. Don't think of me. Don't reward me. Glory to God alone. And risk for the sake of the gospel. Even if it means you lose everything. Your house, your car, your job. Everything. So what is James telling us to do? Turn the world upside down, isn't he? <laughs> so may we do that. Embrace this strange boasting this morning and consider yourself 
and be different, different. And whether you are rich or poor, may it be that you would let your boast be in Christ, in Christ alone. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we, we come admitting that we are messy people. With every aspect of this verse, I would imagine our hearts are convicted in one way or another. So, Father, help us as we respond in song. May we respond in song. May we respond before you, not looking at others, not thinking, well, if I do this, then they're going to think that I'm not this or that I'm less godly or uh, even that I'm more godly. It's none of that. It's only... I'm setting my eyes before you, Lord. And I'm going to respond according to you, Lord. So it may mean that someone here today needs to repent for idols in their lives and in their heart. It may mean that someone here today, they're poor and they have not much or anything and they've become bitter over many trials and many people and may need to forgive. And boast in Christ, the Lord, who is their exaltation. Or it may mean that there's someone here who doesn't know Christ this morning who needs desperately to look to Christ, who paid it all for their sins, that they may be saved. So help us, Lord, to respond to your good grace. We pray.